0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the Fugazi catalog, from Fugazi a to Fugazi. I'm your host, Ian James Wright. Joining me today to discuss Break from the 1998 album End Hits is working musician Dan Mura, who, among other things, uh, performs the role of Joe Strummer in New York City's best Clash tribute band, Straight to Hell.
1: Along with various other music projects, Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Ian! Thanks for having me. I'm excited. to yeah. do a Podcast, my first podcast. Well,
0: uh, I'm I'm glad to be your first. It's a <laughs> it's a very special and intimate moment
1: for a young man. It is such it's as a yourself. Moment. <laughs> and one of my favorite bands, so it's kind of like a it's kind of a, like a nice thing, a nice little cherry on top.
0: Do you want to tell me a little bit about your relationship with Fugazi, your fandom, how you got into them, uh, anything that comes to mind?
1: Yeah, actually, um, when we were talking about doing this, I was thinking through it in my head, and um, I realized it was kind of a big moment in me, sort of like, musically, just kind of growing up. It was kind of like near the end of college, and I'd started my first job um, cooking at this software company in Seattle. And my boss, he was just a music nerd. That's all I can say. He's just like an encyclopedia of music. And, uh, you know, so we're working together every day. And just kind of got into like, uh, I was really into uh, sort of political music, like The Clash. And uh, a lot of that old British stuff. And he's like, oh, you'd probably really like these guys. that got some like deep lyrics and angry and just fun, you know. There's like real diverse music, which is things that I'm kind of into. So yeah, over time, it kind of took me a minute to to get into them. Uh, it's just, I think it's probably because it's one of those things where it's like the catalog is kind of so dense and all over the place that when you get introduced to them, you don't know where to start. Was this I don't know if um, had that?
0: Was this after they had
1: stopped performing uh, together? Yeah, because. When did they stop? Like early... 2002. 2002? Okay, right. Yeah, so this was probably about 06. Okay. So I com- completely missed the band, had no idea who they were when they were um, active. Right, and, and you I'm had just, a full
0: it, and intimidating catalog to dive into and uh yeah, hard to just know like, where to
1: start. Exactly. It was like, plop, here you go. Do you remember which one was your first album that you listened to, or did you listen to songs here and there? That's a good question. I'm not sure exactly which one. I, I'm pretty sure I heard... Um, waiting room like just throughout like growing up i'm sure i'm like was familiar with that one but um in hits was the one that i remember at least really getting into like the other ones i was sort of like okay i can i can get into this but in hits like instantly it instantly got me just in a second and a lot of it had to do with break because you know it's the intro song and it just it was like mesmerizing you know especially like I mean, we'll talk more about this, but especially like when the bass comes in, it was just like it, it just sucked me in. And then I was sold for the whole album. And then from there, I kind of like started exploring the other albums.
0: Yeah, that's um, that's one thing that makes it a great opening song, uh, both for this album and uh, as a as a live song, which they used very frequently to open their their sets. So yeah, I mean, to introduce the song, we can jump right in. It's, so it's the first song on the album and hits. um, so I've, um, I've done a little bit of a deep dive into some data. Um, do you, I don't know if you know about the Fugazi live series archive. It's really worth jumping in there. You can buy, um, uh, recordings of shows for about five bucks. Um, but, uh. Yeah, basically, I've uh, accessed this whole sheet of data that was scraped from the whole live series so I could, I sort of analyzed what songs are played most, et cetera, et cetera. Um, oh. Yeah, but it turns out, you know, their, their most common opening songs were instrumentals. Um, and I asked, I actually emailed uh, briefly with Ian Mackay about this, um, and he told me that... Um, Songs like Joe Number One and Brendan Number One were typical show openers because the, uh, these instrumentals gave them an opportunity to get a sense of the acoustics of the room with people on the totally. floor. Because totally. you know when you sound check, there's nobody actually in the venue. Um, so you know they would do that. They would listen to how it sounds with people in the room, make any needed adjustments. Uh, and then jump into the rest of their set, but this song "Break," he said, uh, was essentially an instrumental except for the, like the short spoken and sung stanza in the middle. Um, so yeah, it turns out that this is their most played non instrumental opening song of their career, which is pretty impressive because it came out oh, okay. came out on their penultimate album. So they played it a ton. Of the, um, I guess they played it sixty times to open shows, according to the data that I have. It's not totally complete, but um, yeah, it got a lot of. Uh, it got a lot of airtime, basically.
1: Cool. I was actually I was actually noticing that because I looked up a bunch of uh, as many like live videos I could find just on YouTube. And I noticed that it was mainly an opener. And I, and to me, I was just like, yeah, awesome. Because <laughs> you just you, you hear it and you just get pumped. Right. It's like, oh, I, just, I want more now.
0: Yeah, one of the nice things, it's interesting that you mentioned the bass coming in. It's one of those songs, and I love it when songs do this, is each member of the band comes in at a different part. So it sort of builds up until you have the whole band playing.
1: Absolutely Uh,
0: I guess on the recording You know the drums come in Brendan's playing Then Ian's playing His like sort of chugging uh, riff there And then You know this is This is kind of an interesting part I was listening closely to it Um, You have uh, You have Joe come in uh, On bass And then Guy comes in With his lead guitar part But there's also this This first This initial um, Before Joe comes in There's this little Descending high melody I was, yeah. I was trying to listen closely. I couldn't quite tell if that was like Gee's guitar with like the tone rolled down, or I was like, maybe that's a piano.
1: I, that was my initial thought too, was a piano.
0: Yeah, but, uh, but I don't know. Yeah. Here's my theory is from also from watching live performances of Break because Gee never plays that part live, so. My assumption is they just did a little piano bit in the studio there. Um, so that's my working theory. I'm going to add it to my list of uh, questions <laughs> to ask the band if I get a chance to interview them.
1: Yeah, I love that you're in like this dialogue with Ian. <laughs> I didn't even know that he was... Well, the thing is, Checking. I I
0: I don't want uh, listeners out there to like flood his inbox with with shit. <laughs> but that's that's one of the cool things about being a Fugazi fan because you can email them like on on Discord and you know if you have something serious to to talk about, they'll they'll get yeah. back to you. Um, yeah, yeah. So like I said, it adds piece by piece. Uh, I guess usually when they played it live, uh, Ian started it off and then Brendan would would join him. So the order. would... That's
1: kind of what I noticed. It yeah. was yeah, it was just kind of like oh, okay, I guess we're starting now. <laughs> And anything else you'd like to say about this, um, just musically? Yeah, I think... Well, it's yeah, it's one of my favorite Fugazi songs, but I also think it demonstrates one of my favorite things about Fugazi. And um, I, I bring this up a lot when I'm talking to, like, bandmates and we're discussing a song or something. It's that it's people that are really good with knowing like where to place their instrument and how to listen to each other. It's that's my favorite thing. One of my favorite things about the band is they listen to each other. It's not just like four dudes, just like turning up to 11 and playing, you know, five minutes and then stopping. It's like, Oh, maybe I'll leave for this like quiet part. And then, you know, the, the the dynamic range is just like so nice. And you have uh, Brendan and Joe that are just such a tight rhythm section. It's like, it's like unstoppable, you know, it's just like force of nature. So then it allows those two guitars just to sort of play with each other and kind of like, you know, they kind of mimic each other, but in really different ways. Because, you know, Ian's has such a harsh tone, it seems like for a lot of the time, like really just tight distortion, but aggressive. Whereas Gee has this kind of like, it's a little more floaty, you know, and he also has, seems like more different sounds that he um, kind of brings to the table. So I, I just love the combination of musicians and how it all works together.
0: I, th- I absolutely agree. Like This is a great exemplar of what a powerful rhythm section Fugazi was. And obviously, Brendan knocks it out of the park, uh, every song. Joe, like the bass line on this song is so such a great rhythm and such a great melody at the same time. Uh, yeah, it's one yeah. of those bass lines
1: that really impresses me. And it's simple. It's I mean, it's like he's just repeating the same... You know like four lines over and over again really which is a, a lot of his bass lines it's pretty much like very repetitive but it becomes this sort of like i don't even know it's just it's just like it's this never-ending circle that again it just kind of draws you in and, and it lays such a nice foundation for everything else
0: yeah, yeah. i also totally agree with you about um basically the the mix i mean not not the production but where what the band members choose to play and where they play it that's you know something that one of my biggest critiques whenever i see sort of like an amateur uh band live and looking back at my own history when i was like a less mature musician playing in bands like i noticed a lot that people are trying to fight for space right totally Um, totally it's something too if you go online uh if you like you look at guitar players uh, internet forums and stuff there are always people asking like uh how do i cut through like the how do i cut through the mix what (laughs) pedal should i get Keep
1: turning up more yeah
0: yeah i'm like man you're doing it wrong you have to people have to lay back people have to play different enough guitar parts if you have two or more guitars in a band um people are simultaneously worried about their band sounding too thin cause they're not like playing all the time and they want to be yeah. sort of heavy and stuff. Uh, but they, they're sort of working against themselves in a lot of ta- a lot of the time I find.
1: Absolutely. They're fighting for the exact same frequency. Yeah. And there's one, there's one frequency,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. And one other thing, uh, less reverb guys <laughs> i'll
1: just i'll say that's any
0: uh guitar players just starting out out there if you want to, my personal tip that's another thing i find in like amateur <laughs> bands that's one of their problems they're when they're fighting just for so space, much like, noise so yeah. much reverb on um yeah, yeah. anyway uh, that's a bit of a tangent
1: well yeah because these guys have pretty dry to- i mean ian has like a pretty dry
0: tone so sure it's like you know um Speaking of tone, one thing I like when uh, the lyrics come in, right, in delivering the lyrics, all of a sudden yeah. the EQ on the drums gets really thin, right? Uh, yeah. So it's just this sort of like MIDI radio thing, uh, and then yeah, you yeah, know, totally. after he screams, break, like boom, the whole the head. Which happens. one of
1: the best? Which one of the best screamers of like ever? Yeah, like I love I love the e- like he can sing for sure, but his screams are just like the best.
0: Uh, especially, yeah, as a as an opener song uh, it's it's this thing that you're waiting for right it's yeah that's one great thing about this there's a long build up it's like it's almost like the Jaws theme right it's like menacing Uh, (laughs) and then uh, you're just like anticipating like when the uh, when the fire is gonna come in
1: and it's great when that happens I love that Uh, totally and it's, it's like all tension like that whole thing leading up to it is just tension like nothing resolves right and it just it just yeah it puts you on like on edge, And you just, you, you need that release. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, tension and release. That's what it's all about. Want to talk
1: about the lyrics? I'm looking at them right now. Cause yeah. I was, I was we like, can... hey, I, sh- I should look them up.
0: It's short enough that I can quote the whole thing here. So it goes, go, go for it. Can't ask for more. So why unfulfilled? We take apart everything we build. Had it right here. Now it's gone.
1: On and on. Break. So yeah, you have any initial thoughts on that? Well, it strikes me as a very Ian lyric. Meaning, you can sort of interpret it as you like. It's probably heavier than I may think it. He's going for. I feel like he always has something in his head that he's trying to get across. But um, yeah. I don't know. I, maybe it's kind of like he does a lot of these like existential observations of the world. It seems like, especially super modern world, and how it's just things just get weird, you know. And he just kind of like kind of lays it out. But I feel like he doesn't like his point so far, he just like look at this. He's almost like a lawyer. He just like lays it out. He's like, hey, we got all these things happening. <laughs>
0: that's that's, how that's I a see very it. interesting way to put it. I like that. <laughs> yeah, the the first line can't ask for more. So why unfulfilled? That's um, yeah. That that might be a reflection of modern life. Although it's, I mean, it's also a pretty old concept, right? Um, I mean, first of all, I think we should say. Fugazi is a good example of a, a group of people who have been fulfilled with less, right? They, you know, they've turned down, uh, notably like major deals and like merchandise opportunities. Right. Like they don't, they don't care that they're leaving money on the table. Um, right. They find, yes. they found fulfillment in their career in sort of putting their music out there and them and their, themselves out there in a way that they were comfortable with and not compromising that. Uh, in the name of earnings a little more money.
1: Yeah, they always went music first. That was their whole ethos, you know, yeah.
0: So here's a little interesting parallel I pulled, right? There's a 2018 Purdue University study. Uh, it's published in the Nature Journal Human Behavior, and it uses data from the Gallup World Poll. So basically, it, it was they're trying to find out what amount of money it is that makes people happy. Uh, and... Uh, they, I think they looked at two things, right? Just their, the emotional well-being, but also how people evaluated their own lives on the whole. So a mm-hmm. uh, little brief quote here. Globally, we find that satiation occurs at $95,000, this is like annual income, for mm-hmm. life evaluation and 60000 to 75000 for emotional well-being. However, there is substantial variation across world regions, with satiation occurring later in wealthier regions. We also find that in certain parts of the world, incomes beyond satiation are associated with lower life evaluations. So, like, that's that's pretty interesting, right? Um, the idea that, I mean, obviously, like, lots of people would love to, you know, be earning $100,000 a year. But the concept yeah. that earning more than that
1: could, would would be worse for you yeah start reversing it yeah
0: it's almost impossible to wrap your head around right like so i'm a i'm a science guy i'm a believer in science when the experts tell me something you know i'm i'm gonna credit that i'm gonna listen to it but (laughs) like knowing the above what i just said like if i came to you and i asked hey you know would you rather make all other things being equal hundred thousand dollars a year or two hundred thousand dollars a year even knowing that science says you're going to be less happy with two hundred thousand dollars that's right who is going to who's going to choose less i mean that's right and that that scales up right a million uh 500 million etc like when do you start to say no even even knowing the science says you're going to be less happy um it's like it's almost impossible to to actually realize and you know i think that's a big part of what we're seeing with this um sort of larger cultural awareness at least in america that this sort of the 1% is getting out of
1: hand in this country. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a super interesting parallel that you, uh, yeah, you went there. Um, I I mean, and I mean, also it makes sense though, because I feel like this is the things that I just imagine myself sitting in a band meeting with these guys. And I feel like this is the conversation that they would actually talk about. You know, I think they actually are that nerdy and that like sort of inquisitive of the world. I think they actually sit down and let, you know, have these conversations, which is, Pretty rare for a, you know. You think of a typical band, you're like, let's get some beers, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's all the bands that I've been in. May very, very, <laughs> very beer focused. I mean, me too. I'm not trying to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I mean, also, it's and it's not this sort of like niche observation because when you think about it, there's so many great like you know tragic movies tv shows etc about people i mean generally men let's be honest but people mm-hmm. who just like seek more and more money or power and they're just their lives are undone by it they're ruined by it you like the godfather citizen kane breaking yeah, bad I was say citizen King, like, yeah. going back to like Macbeth. you know the tragedy of Macbeth. it's it's all about yeah. these people who, who like they can't stop with what they have they like they just seek more and more and it doesn't turn out well for them um, so it, it's, this is a song that really sort of taps into that classic, um, trope, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you and kind of amazing in, you know, four lines, Yeah, you know, just a few seconds of some lyrics and he's pretty much got to his point right. pretty quick. Um, there's, there's more, Dan, I have more. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> we have the line, uh, we take apart everything we build, um, I think that one for me is that's resonates even more than the previous line. Right. I think that's, that's central. That, that line pops into my head at random times in my life. Uh Um, Uh are you familiar with the, uh, the concept of the Tibetan, like sand mandala,
1: the ones that destroy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. It's this, um, using colored sand, um, these people who practice Tibetan Buddhism and, and do this sort of thing. They make this incredibly intricate, sort of like sand drawing. I guess I'm not completely informed about this, but I think a mandala is supposed to represent the universe and their various circles and parts of it. But it's just incredibly complicated. Um, but basically, as soon as they finish this thing, they, they just destroy it ritualistically. They just sort of like wipe the sand away. And that that sort of symbolizes the, you know, the impermanence of things, the transience of things. Um, so that's that's one of the things that comes to mind. Uh, but but it's also like, that's not the only art form like that, right? It's if you build a sandcastle, right? If you do art with sidewalk chalk outside when it's going to rain, right? You make ice sculptures. You like build a house of cards even. Or, or even sure. like, you know, icing a cake, plating a gourmet dish, stuff like that. You're engaging in a creative endeavor knowing that you know even if you don't personally dismantle them the act of creating them is like inherently haunted by the knowledge that they're going to be destroyed almost immediately right Um, right so doing doing stuff like that is um you know it's an interesting pursuit because i think in in a lot of other creative pursuits we sort of flatter ourselves that you know it's like oh my art's gonna last right it's if you're doing a recording with a band or you're writing a novel or something you're like yeah this is it's gonna you know it's gonna be there forever it's gonna go down in the history books but yeah
1: that's what you're thinking
0: yeah but in reality that's rarely the case right uh in reality it's like it's an enormous success if your art lasts even into the next century um how oh for sure yeah when you think about how rarely that happens um like i always think i mean so many people you think about the sort of the young generation today, generation Z or whatever, like, do you think how much do they know about, uh, Frank Sinatra or even Elvis or something, right? Um, it's, it's obviously those are examples of people who, you know, we, we know who they are
1: culturally, but how many people are familiar with their work? Yeah. And I think also culture just morphs, you know, it's, sure. it's not a, it's not a state, it's a constantly moving thing. And so even if these things do disappear because we always have these, you know, it's the cyclical nature as well. Elvis is going to come back and, you know, 10, 20 years, all of a sudden people are going to think, oh, this is the coolest thing ever, you know? And it's it's just, it's interesting how it's like no one controls it. No one owns it. It's just this, you know, sort of abstract thing that exists that everyone contributes to or takes from.
0: But there there are also some things that I doubt they're ever going to come back. Like, okay, here's another example. Jimmy Durante right he i don't know if have you even heard of jimmy durant no I, I i have not so he was like one of the biggest stars of the early 20th century he's like a comedian and actor and stuff but like how many people our age even can name a single thing he did or said like it's it's gone you know people are grandparents age he's probably like huge in their minds but to us it's like it's gone man yeah uh, he like he his creative work it was great at the time but it it was temporary um Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be crazy to be at that level, the Elvis level, where people just know that name for generations. That's kind of insane, I guess, since you're, you know, because there's so many examples of when that doesn't happen. Yeah, but I think, I guess
0: it's all about having a positive attitude about that sort of thing, just uh, acknowledging that, you know, probably your art won't last and that you're okay with it. You're making it for the moment and that might be a point of the thing things like the sand mandala it's you're 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 sort of meditating on that as you create that kind of art which i think is nice so basically what i'm saying you you can i think take that positively that line we take apart everything we build um it sounds it sounds a little bit negative and cynical but there is a way to interpret it in a positive manner i guess
1: yeah i agree with you and i I think that's a lot of the lyrics of Fugazi a big reason why i like them is is everything's interpretable. Yes. I mean, you you're proving it with your podcast. It's like, you know, you're going to be talking about lyrics, you know, all these lyrics and i'm sure you're going to have a lot of different interpretations to the people you talk to.
0: Yeah, and uh i've talked to people already who um a couple of people say, you know, that's not the the um the overarching view that mainstream culture has about Fugazi. I mean not that mainstream culture has any opinion at all on Fugazi, but I know. what do they uh, know about him? <laughs> but you know, there's this idea that there are these anthems, there are these statement songs about social issues, but I'll you know, the majority of Fugazi songs aren't like that. Um so I appreciate that. Let me I want to bring one more outside thing into that talking about that line we take yeah, sure. apart everything we build. It always makes me think of this uh so There's this poem, The Ballad of Reading Jail by Oscar Wilde. Um, Have you ever read that before? You know anything about
1: Oscar Wilde? I haven't. I know of of him, but yeah, I haven't read it.
0: So yeah, Oscar Wilde, um, he was actually sent to jail in real life, Reading Jail, uh, for the classic crime of being gay, basically. Um, Mm -hmm. But so he wrote this poem when he was incarcerated. And basically the poem is about, you know, I I don't know if it's... um, if it's literally like true to life but the narrator of the poem is in jail and he sees there's this other prisoner who's kept separated from everybody uh and you know somebody else tells him oh that guy's like basically the guy's on death row he killed his his lover right so you know he's he's going to be executed soon uh so the whole poem is more or less a meditation on that but um uh just to quote a, a brief section of it he says um looking at this prisoner, I only knew what hunted thought quickened his step and why he looked upon the garish day with such a wistful eye. The man had killed the thing he loved and so he had to die. Yet each man kills the thing he loves. By each, let this be heard. Some do it with a bitter look, some with a flattering word. The coward does it with a kiss, the brave man with a sword. And uh, that line, each man uh, kills the thing he loves, that's sort of a (laughs) refrain that comes back later in uh, in the poem. But... That, that's the line that pops into my head when I listen to Break by Fugazi. It's like, we take apart everything we build, each man kills the thing he loves. Um, both of those things kind of come to mind. And, and, you know, when I see, you know, when you see tragic real-world situations, um, you know, even, even if it's not some kind of actual tragedy, like some kind of major tragedy, even something like, you know when george lucas went back and added all that unnecessary cgi crap to star wars right and now right, you can't right, buy right. a copy of the original you just get this deformed <laughs> mutant version <And> Like, ah, <laughs> man each man kills the thing he loves there you go uh-huh. uh, yeah you know he 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 grasped too hard he tried to do more and he ended up destroying it um so, yeah so it's one of those things like finds you can apply to various situations in life
1: yeah no i'm with you yeah i, I find the lyrics just to be kind of like a you know, description of human nature. It's just, it's, you know, there's a certain truth to it that you can't deny. Yeah.
0: No, unfortunately you can't. <laughs> I think that's about, um, all that I had to bring to the lyrics, right? I think I've squeezed a good amount research. out of, um, four lines, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Do you, do you have, um, you know, to give you the, the
1: final word on break, um, do you have any last comments you'd like to make? Well, I will say, um, that this is one of the first songs that got me to the band, you know, for whatever reason. And, um, learning that it was a typical opener kind of says a lot in terms of that. It's, it's, it's a, like a, it's like a hook, you know, it's like sent out the fishing rod and hooked me. I feel like that's what it, that's what it does to the, (laughs) to the audience. It's like, got me. I'm there with you. Well, um,
0: Let's, uh, let's go to uh, a section of this show called Ratings. Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? If I could ask you to, just purely in the context of Fugazi songs, if you could rate this song on a scale of one to five stars, like one being your maybe least favorite Fugazi song, five
1: being your most favorite, oh. where, where do you think this would fall? Oh, I'd give this one a five. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty easy for me. Nice. And I don't love I don't love every Fugazi song. I'm not that I'm not that guy that's just like oh they're all fives, but um like I said it's it's short and sweet. It's like two minutes something like that.
0: Uh yeah it's like two twelve or something. Well that's a big rating from Dan Mura. Um as for me I think I'm I think I would go four. I'm trying to yeah, be as fair. critical as I possibly can here. Um it's it's not quite of the top tier Fugazi songs but it is fantastic. Um I agree with everything you said. It it hooks you in. It serves incredibly well as an opener to both a live show and an album um it's it's one of those songs where every musical part is great the guitars the bass the drums uh and it adds up to be more than the sum of their parts obviously you know the lyrics i get a lot out of so yeah it's a a big four for me time for plugs Dan, uh, where can listeners reach you if you want to be found online or social media or whatever, or do you have stuff coming up you want to plug Yeah. Anything?
1: Um, well, you could follow me on Instagram. I'm dan.from.earth and I play guitar and sing in a band called dry clean. You can find us on Spotify or Bandcamp. I'm based out of New York and I also play drums in a band called shelter dogs. Uh, you could also find us on, uh, Bandcamp, camp spotify all those fun things and then i'm playing tonight in my Clash tribute band called straight to hell we're playing the knitting factory and we're actually doing a joe strummer birthday bash so we're doing a lot of uh, sort of deep cuts from different joe strummer projects and that's about it yeah
0: i don't think i've ever really talked to you about this do you have any favorite clash songs to play
1: yeah i'm trying to i mean uh i do uh, the hits are a lot of fun because the energy in the room. So you'd start playing London Calling and, and Should I Stay? People just start freaking out. But I enjoyed a lot of the sort of the reggae you know, the, the chiller songs, Police and Thieves and like um, Armageddon Time and Bank Robber. Some st- some of those are fun to play live for whatever reason. They're just, I enjoy playing them live. But, you know, the, the, the catalog's so diverse that it keeps it interesting as you go along.
0: It's cool to see... A tribute bands like do the deep cuts like I, I watched the video of you guys doing julie's been working for the drug squad I'm like yes i love that song but yeah. it's not one you expect to hear
1: yeah especially <laughs> if a band's gonna do like two or three clash songs like for sure not gonna happen do you guys have a, a piano ever a keyboard no sometimes we've done like some horns but yeah. um yeah, it's, it's hard to organize
0: absolutely yeah it's nice that's one thing that's nice to have sort of like a almost modular bands like where you need four people but if if this person and this person can make it to a gig that would be awesome totally
1: <laughs> and also like the clash pulled it off live with just the four you know sometimes they had other people but right. they do the songs even with you know that had keys parts on and stuff which as just a four piece just louder yeah. that's the world you just turn it up
0: yeah exactly yeah no, <laughs> well, i've reverb. been i've been in a cover band and uh we we played some of the songs with a little horn section like a trumpet and a and a trombone and man those is it just seems like so much better, <laughs> like we would do a uh, sledgehammer and uh actually Rudy can't fail
1: yeah that's yeah some of those like very signature horn lines are are hard to mimic, but uh you know you throw in a lot of effects and you make it work, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, all right, folks, uh, follow Dan. As for me, you can reach me at fugaziA2Z at gmail.com. And you can join the Facebook group, The Alphabetical Fugazi, uh, talk about break and any other songs we have coming up. And then I hope you'll join me for the next episode. We'll be discussing break in. And until then, keep your eyes open.